0: Portions of this program may be pre-recorded.
1: 6, 5, 4, 3, 2,
2: 1, 0, all engines running, commit
3: liftoff. Hey, this is Doug McCary. Welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, September 10th, and we are excited it's a guest day on SWAT Radio. If you're just tuning in for the first time, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And we have been on the air for about almost four years now, and we broadcast not only here in Jacksonville, Florida, we're in St. Augustine, Folkestone, Georgia, we're up in the Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Virginia area in Meridian, Mississippi and also through our SWAT radio app and our face or our um our swatradio.com live stream. We uh, have a lot of listeners out in Texas, out in Nebraska, and Idaho and we're glad you joined us. Today I'm excited we have a repeat guest. Uh, He's a friend of mine. Uh, I served alongside him when I was in the FBI, and he was the sheriff here in Jacksonville. He is uh, our congressman, United States Congressman John Rutherford, and a fellow brother in the Lord. And uh, Congressman, it's glad to have you back on SWAT Radio.
4: Doug, it's great to be with you again, buddy. I really do appreciate it.
3: Well, uh, it's funny because I was just looking at your bio real quick, and I had forgot that uh, we share the same birthday, so we just had a birthday a week ago. September, yeah, S- September second. Did you get anything exciting for your birthday this year?
4: I did. My wife made the best lasagna, <laughs> and and then we had ice cream cake, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic.
3: Well, that's awesome. Well, I got me a gun for my birthday.
4: <laughs> Uh, well, so I, didn't I got do to go shoot. Like that. I got I to have, go shoot. Uh, I got to talk to my wife.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I'm glad to have you back on here and you know uh, it's seems like, you know, last time we had you on, we talked a little bit about your testimony and and mm-hmm. I know we have people that might be tuning in for the first time. Uh you started off um as a um uh, just a rookie police officer. Mm-hmm but an unbelieving police officer, uh, not a follower of Jesus Christ, That's even right. though you'd been exposed to it. And what right. was it that that got your attention? How did God get you to go, okay, I'm listening now?
4: Yeah, r- really w- w- what he did, Doug, I, as you said, I graduated from uh, Florida State University. I came back to Jacksonville, hit the streets of Jacksonville as a young patrolman. Uh, I was newly married. Well, I'd been married a couple of years at that point, uh, had— Uh, one child at that point and uh, I hit the streets of Jacksonville and and I gotta tell you I I saw things I never knew were going on in Jacksonville I never knew were going on anywhere Mm -hmm. you know when I'd been around some death and dying you know from elderly parent or uh, grandparents at that time and aunts and uncles and that sort of thing but I had never seen people die young die suddenly Die unexpectedly, die violently, mm. and I mean from you know two years old to ninety-two years old. But but I was seeing people die in every kind of imaginable situation, and you know, like you said, I'd been raised in the church to about the age of fourteen when I when I fell away, and I'd never turned my life over to the Lord. So so what happened, I. I hit the streets of Jacksonville, and I started getting around all this death and dying, and I started questioning, is there really a God? You know, I believed in God. I knew the gospel story of Jesus, um, but now, I, but I believe those things because somebody told me I should.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, I was a police officer, and I want to prove beyond a reasonable <laughs> doubt, you know, I want to know what I believe in, you know, whether I really believed in it. I want to make it make a decision, and mm-hmm. uh, which I had never done so uh the the kind of the final straw for me was was a case where it, there was a massive amount of blood at this scene uh an individual little literally died uh while i was with him and working on him and you know trying to save his life and
3: and if i remember right you had never seen that before had you had no, somebody no, actually die no, that, there in your arms kind yeah, of?
4: yeah like? that that uh passing over while you're there i had never experienced that before ever and um and that was kind of my final straw. In fact, I almost quit law enforcement because of it. Mm. I, I couldn't sleep. I, I, I would keep going back to that scene. And um, and so I realized, you know, I started questioning my salvation. And then I was like, okay, now I got to know. So mm. I went, you know, like I said, I, thank God my parents had give me a good basis. So at least I knew where to go to get the answers. And I went back to that Bible. Mm-hmm. And um Read it cover to cover in the front seat of a police car, not once, but twice. Um, and I discovered I was a, I was a good husband. I was a good father. I was a good man. I was becoming a halfway decent policeman, uh, but I was not saved. Mm-hmm. And so on May 28, 1978, I turned my life over to the Lord. Uh, law enforcement literally became a ministry for me. It was, I knew that it was my calling. Uh, you know, Ephesians 2.10 uh, you know, for, for we are all God's workmanship, created in the image of Christ Jesus to do good work, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. Mm-hmm. And I found it, and that good work was law enforcement, and I was so blessed. And, and my and, you know, and, and I think God honors that. And so my career took off. Uh, you know, before you knew it, I was a sergeant, lieutenant, captain. I just climbed the ranks. And then in 2003, I was elected sheriff, 3, 7, and 11, I was elected sheriff. So how um,
3: long did you serve as sheriff here in Jacksonville?
4: 12 years as sheriff, 41 years with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office.
3: And, And Jacksonville, if I remember correctly, when did it consolidate and become the big sheriff? It
4: consolidated in 1968, and I came on in 1974 uh september of so five
3: after that so it w- at one time it was the biggest sheriff's department in the country right or at least the biggest uh, uh, well, square area. jacksonville
4: thing. well jacksonville still is the largest mm-hmm. uh, square, uh square like square mile miles, yeah. area mm-hmm. city because a lot it, of ground to cover because they the, moved the city out to the county boundaries is what they did and mm-hmm. uh, yeah and and it's really great for the delivery of public safety services i mean you, you basically do away with one whole police department and uh, and it, it's a, it's um, a great way to conduct law enforcement, and I was blessed to be in that in that agency for 41 years, and JSO was, you know, a leader around the country, and um, and then I was certainly uh, honored and proud to serve it uh, as as sheriff. As well,
3: well, well, you did a good job. I know when I was at the um, FBI, I just remembered your reputation. I, you know, it, it was Man. funny because I was a young, <clears throat> young agent who I got remember, a task yep. to the task force down there. Right. And I, I tell people that I actually got to kick in doors and do stuff, real police work, because a lot of FBI agents
4: don't get that. They,
3: no, yeah. they, well, they end up basically working with you, but they get the evidence were, and then they take them federal. But right. I got to do a lot of high speed chases yeah. and stuff. And that was fun. And, uh, and
4: that's why, you, you know, and that's why when when we went after this as not just. Uh, when I went after crime, not as just an issue of flesh and blood, but also principalities, you know, that's when we had Operation Dismas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you that don't know who Dismas was, D-I-S-M-A-S. Yeah, he was the he was the prisoner on the cross beside Christ who said, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." Mm-hmm. He made the right choice hanging on that cross. Gesmas, G-E-S-M-A-S, was the guy on the other side who didn't. In fact, he challenged Christ, and uh, and so Dismas is actually the patron saint of reformed prisoners. So mm-hmm. I named that that program Operation Dismas after him, and and we we brought convicted felons coming back to Jacksonville from the state prison system. We would we would meet with them at Operation Dismas, uh, show them the hammer of law enforcement. We call it the hammer and the hope. I had all the alphabet soup of law enforcement, FBI, DEA, ATF, everybody. And we were going after them, like, like you just said. We were going after them. But at the same time, we wanted them to succeed when they came back to our community. And, and I used to tell them, I almost don't care what you do. Just don't pick up a gun. Mm-hmm. And, and I think our, our carrying and concealed firearm by a convicted felon dropped like 33% in one year after Operation Dismiss. And, uh, Glenn Mitchell and Ellis Curry, Glenn Mitchell's son, Jeffrey had been murdered at Terry Parker and I remember Ellis Ellis Curry Curry was in that group and Ellis in, you talk about a powerful, uh, moment, uh, with those two guys together, Ellis Curry. Hmm. And, uh, it, it was, it was amazing. And so we, we wanted them to succeed. So we got them into these programs and got them the help that they needed and we had everything there. Every everything there for them. So we didn't just go we we went with what I what I used to call the PIE, Prevention, Intervention and Enforcement. But we but we focused on the intervention stuff in the in the prevention stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why by 2011 this city which was three times bigger than it was in 1971, we had fewer murders in 2011 just raw capital numbers not not per capita numbers raw numbers we had fewer murders in in 2011 than we had in 1971 and uh, our violent crime numbers were the lowest they've been in that 41 year period as well
3: well you you uh, again um, you did a good job and um i i have been happy to reconnect with you because uh, i had not yeah. seen you Since you were sheriff, it had been Mm -hmm. a long time, and uh, you got to come share at our SWAT retreat, and um, I know the guys were very encouraged by that. When we come back, I want to continue. I want to get you to weigh in a little bit on what's happening in our country, just from from a perspective that you had as an executive in law enforcement and as a congressman, who is seeing things from that angle too and talk about how people can pray for you and other leaders like police chiefs and sheriffs uh because right now we need a lot of prayer right yeah absolutely hey hey, you're listening to SWAT radio and we're going to be right back after this first break Uh, i hope you'll continue listening you're uh, listening to sheriff john rutherford and also congressman john rutherford on SWAT radio we'll be right back
0: We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls.
3: We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales. service parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. If you've been
2: walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lights. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life, there's a better life, if you got pain. chain breaker We've all searched for the light of day and the day and the night We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire and We've all run to things we know just ain't right And there's a better life There's a better life
1: Hey,
3: welcome back to, to SWAT that, Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Life Ministries with my good friend, Congressman John Rutherford, who is in here today sharing with us his story and also his heart um, for ministry. You know, it's interesting, in Scripture... The only people other than God's servants to be priests or angels uh, that He talks about are ministers, are people who bear the sword. God mm-hmm. calls them ministers of justice.
4: Romans thirteen two. That's yep. exactly right. Yep.
3: And and it's really disturbing to me as a former law enforcement officer with the bureau to see uh, people because. And you can speak to this. I'd I'd like you to speak to this. Police officers and sheriff's deputies, they don't get called for good calls most of the time. They respond. It's always something bad. Right. Right. right?
4: Yeah. And and yeah.
3: I don't think yeah, people really. They don't really, call us when
4: things are going great.
3: No. No. Nobody calls you. To, you don't send out people. Nine one one calls are never to say, "Hey, we just wanted to say, I hope you're having a great day." <laughs> right. It's always a bad situation. Yep. And and it's easy to armchair quarterback people when you have to make split second decisions and every police officer I know wants to go mm-hmm. home and see their family at the end of right. the day. And I know your wife Patricia was yeah. was a, a very supportive person for you when you were sheriff. Absolutely and, and now and and I could you speak a little bit about just on from a personal reflection about what's going on in our country and, and kind of your personal thoughts about it as a believer and somebody yeah. who served as an executive
4: look I, I, I will tell you Doug as, as a believer I believe what we see going on is not uh, just like I used to talk about crime it, it's it's not a battle between flesh just flesh and blood it's a battle between principalities I think there are I think there are um, movements underfoot Marxist movements that want to fundamentally change this country. This is not a difference in a in in a uh, how to get there. It's a difference in where we're going, where they where they want to wind up, and and I can tell you, um, you know, this attack on police is I think part of the sign. That, now look, police, all, all of us, if we could just remember back uh, to the George Floyd incident. Which
3: seems like a long time ago. Doesn't seems like it? <laughs> a long time ago,
4: yeah. But if you remember, for the first 24 hours, 36 hours after that event, uh, that horrible event where those police officers were, were responsible for not giving that guy, uh, George Floyd, the care that uh, he was deserving as a human being and resulted in his death, uh, all four of them, not just the one that was kneeling on his neck, uh, Chauvin but all all four of them uh, th- that's bad policing I, I don't care how you look at it uh, I, I was really concerned when I found out that the guy was a training officer on top of that yeah. said you know the importance that that bears mm-hmm. But so l- look I know that there are bad things that police officers do out there I've, I used to fire a bunch of them and arrest them when they actually broke the law uh, so I, I've put bad cops in jail before, but in, in fact, I had somebody ask me one time, what, Why? Why are you so hard on these guys, putting them in jail?" And, and you know, I said, "You know, don't you love JSO?" I said, "Absolutely, I love JSO. That's why I do it mm-hmm. because I don't want us to wake up one day and JSO is an organization that no one respects and shouldn't respect." Uh, and, and so, I, I always wanted my men and women. In fact, I used to promise this community, the men and women of the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office would be men and women of character, well-equipped, properly deployed, and skillfully managed. That was my commitment to the community, and we worked hard on that, me and my administrative staff, every day. So what I see going on around the country, these protests, these protests are not about George Floyd. These protests are not about any police action this is a Marxist movement of revolution in this country, and we need to recognize it. Mm-hmm. Patrice Calor, uh one of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter organization, said, "I'm a trained Marxist. I take her at her word. Uh, when I see what they're trying to do, uh, Saul Alinsky read Saul Alinsky's book on on uh, the, you know called uh, Rules for Radicals, mm-hmm. how to." How to organize to take over uh, a, a society? All of those things are in play. Every every, every one of them mm-hmm. in in America today, and and a lot of what we see going on in our in our cities across the country is this uh, this far left radical movement to uh, to really change where this country is going, and and. The reason I say they're they're Marxist and not just socialists, you know, socialists just want to change the economic system. These guys want to change everything.
3: Well, they well, and they there is a flat, uh, either hatred. Uh, I I was just going to say uh, dislike, but I I think it's a hatred for biblical values, family tradition. What I would call traditional yeah. family values.
4: Well, they're they're opposed if if now. This is interesting because over the last uh, probably three or four months, they have changed their websites. The Movement for Black Lives, m4bl.org, they've changed theirs. Black Lives Matter has changed their website. Are they taking
3: the Marxist stuff off?
4: Yes. Yes. What they're doing is they're – It's all much more calm than it was before. Now, before, the Movement for Black Lives.org said we're anti-capitalist. We're anti-nuclear family. We're Uh, anti-God. I mean, all that stuff's gone now.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, the first 12 years of ministry for me, Congressman, I went to Russia. I was over there a lot. Mm -hmm. I saw a country that for 75 years denied God that was based on Marxism and a country where the elites have different rules than everybody else. And if you, Boy, don't you it, see that it, going oh, on my right goodness. And if you are connected to the elites, you you have you special get, privileges. Right? But, you get your hair But done. for your normal, everyday person, one of my good friends over there was not making enough money to buy food in the military, and yeah. he simply worked as a mechanic to bring in some extra money, and had to do three years in prison
4: for working as a mechanic. Just for to bring
3: doing some extra j- odd jobs as a mechanic. because they had dictated it so and i I look at what happened out in seattle just a couple of days ago you had a christian group that filed the proper paperwork and has received approval to go have a peaceful Mm. protest in a park that was shut down and yet they decided to do a protest in the streets and they they didn't have a problem with it. It just right. makes no sense what we're seeing in our country now. Right. So uh, I, I'm really concerned that people need to pray for our leaders, our congressmen, uh, people, you know, I've been asked a couple of times, what can we do as Christians? Does it really right. make a difference to call our Senator, our Congressman? Does it? Yes. I mean, it,
4: it, Listen, it absolutely makes a difference and, and you need to call them and let them know where you stand and, and, Tell them, you know, that you want them to speak out on these things. Um, you, you know, I, I've, I've been speaking out. In fact, in 2016, they wanted to beat me up. You know, the media wanted to beat me up because I called Black Lives Matter a hate group. And and, um, and that was four years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, third, yeah. Yeah, that was four years ago because two years before that, they're marching down the streets of New York chanting, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want it now? And pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. And, uh, you know, two weeks after that New York incident, uh, they had two, two New York police officers executed in the, in the front seat of their police car, uh, sitting on the, uh, sitting on the street in New York city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if black lives matter may not have pulled the trigger, but they certainly loaded the gun. And so I call them a hate group and, uh, you know, you would have think I was, uh, you know, some kind of monster because of that. And, and then after I got elected, uh, in November of 16, they asked me if I, you know, well, do you still, you, do you still stand by those words, you know, that black lives matter? I said, heck yeah. Well, because said, of course they, I do. Nothing's changed.
3: Because you're talking about the organization. I'm talking
4: about the organization. Yeah. Exactly, Doug. And that's what we have to remember as Christians. Uh, when I see, when I see these people out there wearing black lives matter shirts, that doesn't mean they're Marxist. That Now. Some of them might be. I, I don't know. But I judge them by what they do. But when I see them throwing Molotov cocktails, when I see them beating the daylights out of somebody with a two-by-four, when when I see the violence and the rioting and the arson, those guys are Marxists. Now, the rest of the people that are there, you know, protesting for Black Lives Matter, what, what they don't understand is they're they're being used. Mm-hmm. You know, they're being used as a front for these Antifa and the Marxists from, from the Black Lives Matter organization to, to go into these areas and, and commit these horrific crimes, most of them directed at the police, they would love nothing more than to have the police over-respond so they can say, see, see how bad those police are? That, that's, what they, that's what they would love to see
3: well one of the things that's interesting to me i was talking to a guy today um who is a member he's he's a member of the black community he's a great guy um grew up in chicago and we were just talking about things and you know he talked about how things have changed and i know we got to go to our break and so i want to come in with this when we come back but None of these areas where these things are happening are led by a Republican. Not one of them. Exactly. Or, of. or an
4: elected sheriff. Or elect- exactly.
3: And so um, when we come back, I want to kind of go down that road a little bit. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have Congressman John Rutherford in the studio today. If you would like to uh, ask him a question, you can send it by email to ask at SWATradio.com. Uh, Or you can send it to me at Doug at SWATradio.com. Or you can call Steve and tell Steve the question. Our producer, he'll take it down and we'll get it on the air and have Congressman Rutherford answer it. We're going to be right back after this news break on the half hour. Continue listening to us and uh, we'll be right back.
1: Is good news for the captive
3: Flat Radio. is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and we are uh, just privileged to have Congressman John Rutherford in the studio today. <clears throat> and we were just talking uh, before we went to the break about um, just kind of some of the things going on in our country uh, with with the riots, the the really the Black Lives Matter organization not being really and people. I think they particularly are trying to parlay the black lives matter as if you don't support the black lives matter organization, you, then you don't care about black lives. And that's simply not true No, because I know you care about black lives. I Absolutely. care about black lives. In fact, I know a lot of believers who care about unborn black lives who are taken right in fact margaret sanger was one of the biggest racists in history and the whole the whole abortion industry was part of a plan at one time to create genocide among that community and you don't hear anybody talking about that anymore uh look when
4: you believe in the sanctity of life you believe in the sanctity of all life
3: that's right uh
4: and and that's why and, and i know i get pushed back all the time but I, I I don't believe in the death penalty. You know, I I think um, we lock them up for life, leave them there. Hopefully they'll have a you know. Hopefully living behind bars will uh, you know the God God will work on their, the Holy Spirit will work on them and bring them back to the Lord. At some point there I know there's jailhouse conversions. I've seen some of them and I believe in them. And and I've and I've worked with those who have had some of those uh, jailhouse conversions. And, and so I, I know that happens. So I believe all life is precious.
3: Well, it's interesting in our current environment right now, because, um, you have people that are advocating for lives that matter, saying black lives matter, throwing a Molotov cocktails at black police officers. Yeah. I mean, that's... so, so I don't understand how that works. I've seen people who are out with a black lives matter shirt, who's white screaming at a black police officer right and i mean does his life not matter is it well, only certain? Sir- it, it, you know Doug. the
4: bible says you'll know them by their fruits <laughs> yeah so the the folks that are holding signs that say black lives matter and wearing a black lives matter shirt or a hat or whatever and and they're peacefully uh protesting that uh, you know i that's their fruit the guys that are throwing you know wearing black lives matter regalia and throwing you know, Molotov cocktails and kicking in windows and doors and stealing and looting and all of that—that's that's their fruit. And, and I know that's not, and that's the organization behind that. Well, uh, they are Marxist.
3: Well, I I know you've been very busy, and I doubt you heard a few weeks ago. I was laying out that this coming election in 2020 is very important, and candidates are important platforms are really important what Mm -hmm. people are standing on their their ideology and really what i laid out a few weeks ago is you've got platform a i'll call the republican platform platform b the democratic they're very polar opposite in a lot of ways as it relates to the sanctity of life right uh and protecting the unborn life uh regarding even um you know the um the uh the right to free speech right. the rights of christians um, you know uh, right now there's curriculums being circulated in some school districts that are rewriting history right and i said yesterday on the program that if we if we if we don't have a history we don't have a future yeah. you've got to have a history to help you learn how to live the future and right. wh- what's what's your but, take on as a as as a person who's dealing with this at a congressional level of all these monuments and the history thing
4: yeah Uh, look the 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 three d's of the far left are destroyed dismantle and defund you know they want to they want to destroy the foundations of this country they want to dismantle our institutions and they want to defund our law enforcement on the other hand what the what i want to do and what others that uh, love this country want to do is w- we want to see a renewal to the commitments that this country was founded on uh, equality, justice, all the things that some of these folks uh, that are out there protesting say they want. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm for that. Those are the ideals that I believe in as well. Uh, but we've got to get back to supporting the constitution Uh the the bill of rights particularly mm-hmm. i mean who, who imagined in this country we'd have a vice uh, or a presidential candidate say i'm coming to take your ar-15s yeah uh it, you know and now we've got a, a a guy running for president now who is the nominee <laughs> uh saying that you know he's going to let beto o'rourke be his gun czar, you know to go get those ar-15s um so we have to support the Second Amendment particularly because Doug, that is the that is the amendment that all the rest stand on. Without that, the rest of them are all in jeopardy.
3: Well the thing that strikes me about a lot of the the, the people that are Marxist behind some of these movements is I thought they were supposed to want freedom of speech. But if you have freedom you know, of speech, they that are means the you have, Well, yeah, that, that means they, they you have an exchange. They are the practicing
4: fascists, although they call everybody. That's another thing. I, I will I, I will tell people to look for. It almost doesn't matter what these far left guys tell you. If they if they say, you're a fascist, it's because they're practicing fascism. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
4: uh, you know, it's it's almost like anything that they say, like, kind of like Russian collusion. <laughs> no, the ones that were colluding with the Russians was the DNC through the dossier. Uh, so it, it's almost like anything they accuse you of, they're already doing it.
3: Well, even that, you know, that that has been very troubling to me too, what's going on. The, the, politic, the politicization of everything, whether it's COVID, whether it's COVID right. relief. And I want to talk a little bit about that with you because there's a lot of people that listen that one, have no faith in politicians that represent them. Mm-hmm. uh if you if you looked at surveys that the just the trust in pastors, the trust in congressmen, the trust in senators right. political people has gone
4: down over the years now why why let me stop you right there. why is that the, I think the reason for that is because there is a movement and, and it's called critical theory doug mm-hmm. it, it's it's in the marxist playbook critical theory. Everything is bad. Pastors are bad. All of our institutions are bad. Systemic racism. That you know they, look. I don't believe that America is a racist country and I don't believe that our institutions are inherently systemically racist. I believe in the in, in American exceptionalism. Yes. Now, are, do we have do we have Social injustice, do we have racial injustice? Yes. And, and and we need to speak out when we see it. We need to speak out when we hear it. We can't be deaf or blind to it. But to say that, you know, this country is horrible because we had slavery back in the, you know, 1600s, starting in the 1600s. No. what This is the country that set up a process to do away with it. Mm-hmm. We set up a process that would allow it to be removed eventually, and they did that very wisely
3: well i I think that there is a lot of ethnic prejudice throughout our country in different places systemically you know I don't know if it's systemic out there, but I know that as a whole that that i've I've been to Russia and I've seen much greater racism over there uh, displayed mm-hmm. at, at, in the country as a whole, I think if the vast majority of people who are think America's bad or who are mm-hmm. bought into that, I'm not talking about the social right. people who are promulgating, I'm talking about the actual people who are living in the neighborhoods who are kind of getting swept up, I think if you took them to Russia or you took them to China or you took them to the Middle East, let them live for a while, they would see That what is going on in our country here is there's a reason people are coming from all over. Right. A lot of everybody
4: wants to live here. They want to
3: live in America because you can have the American dream here. You can you can come here from Vietnam with nothing, nothing, start a donut shop and end up having a good family uh, business that can perpetuate throughout your children and ongoing. Like I've seen done in Texas, you know, you can't do that in other countries like this. And so, um, but I want to get back to something you and I were talking about before the program. A lot of people, you know, ask, "Well, why didn't you vote for this bill, Congressman? It seems so good. It had good. <laughs> yeah. It had a good. Yeah. It was for a good thing. It's to protect women." Yeah, right?
4: I, I'll give you. Yeah, violence against VAWA, they call it the Violence Against Women's Act. You know, and now I'm I'm the I'm, when I was a lieutenant, I set up the sheriff's office policies and worked with hubbard house and Rita the young in in the very beginning when we were getting the law changed so that we could go to a pro arrest policy for domestic violence Mm -hmm. Uh, because as a young patrolman i was aghast that you know i'm i'm looking at a woman who's had the daylight speed out of her but it's a misdemeanor that didn't occur in my presence so i can't arrest the guy who admits he did it
3: it it wasn't even a felony
4: no no i gotta send her down to, to file charges herself so we changed that. So I'm, I'm. you won't find a better uh, advocate against um, domestic violence. Yet I voted against that bill. You know why? Because when it came up for reauthorization, uh, they put a poison pill in it.
3: Yeah, see, well, see? Hold, hold that thought because I, I want you to explain the poison pill
1: after <laughs> okay. the break.
3: Hey, we're going to, into our last segment. We're talking with Congressman John Rutherford. If you don't know what a poison pill is, hang on, and you're going to hear about how they get stuck in bills when we come back on SWAT Radio.
0: This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation.
3: SWAT Radio, it's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and we're here on a Thursday, September the 10th. By the way, tomorrow is September 11th, 19th year Mm -hmm. since that tragedy, and, um, you know, I I think – I remember, Congressman, after 9-11, for two to three weeks, a lot of people got spiritual. They Mm -hmm. said, oh, my goodness, what is happening to our country that that kind of thing can happen and then we go right back in. People go away from it. And and I, I think that uh, over the last 19 years, we have come to a place now where in my lifetime I have never seen so much uh, divisiveness, so much hatred. And I don't know if it's because of social media or other stuff, but I know as a congressman, if you don't vote for a particular legislation – People go on the surface, they all they see is the name or the general <laughs> right. cause, but and the they no go, vote. Yeah, and the yeah. no vote, and go, why didn't he vote for that? And you talked about a right. poison pill attached to it. Right. Talk about right. that so people can understand what that so means. So, yeah,
4: so, so when you vote no against a bill that sounds great, like the Violence Against Women's Act, you know, you must be some kind of bad guy. That means yeah. you must be for violence against women, right? right? Well, in fact, what I was doing by voting no was. Voting against the poison pill, which was really, they were going to expand the liability for business owners uh, for domestic violence that occurs on their property. It was like a trial lawyer's dream come true, and so I, I was absolutely opposed to that. Well, you can't uh, you know, help I, that I, if somebody can, does exactly, something like that. Exactly. So that that was a that was the poison pill now and i'll give you another great example and this is how insidious some of this gets and this is why and this is why some real life experience uh comes in handy you know um everybody knows that i support universal background checks for firearms I, i'm the nra knows that and i've got their endorsement uh, but here's the problem with it if if they introduced HR8, mm-hmm. which is uh, which was the universal background check bill. That was the title. Yes. But if you read the bill, Doug, what <laughs> it does in section three, it talks about if it, to to lay out the bill the way it would be applied. For example, if I wanted to buy your gun, yes, sir. You and I would go to a gun store, an FFL dealer. That FFL dealer would run my background check. and if that was the end of it. When when my background check came okay and you sold me your gun, I'd be I, I would have voted for that bill. But here's what here's what the bill said. In section three of the bill says you as the owner of the gun have to turn it over to the FFL dealer who then sells it to me as though it were his stock. Now what does that mean? What that means is that gun gets registered. Because every new sale of a gun from an F- every sale of a gun from an FFL dealer gets registered, it, it because it's under the commerce clause.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: It's not under the Second Amendment. It's it's protected under that requirement is protected under the commerce clause. So they they create a registry. Well, I that means every gun in this country would be registered. Mm-hmm. If if you can sell me your gun. Uh, Private sales are not registered, so and that happens so all it the time. right? Happens all the time. So if the government comes to me and says, "John, I want all your guns," all I got to say is, "I I sold them all. They don't know where they're at, mm-hmm. and and I'm not going to tell them where they're at." And and so, and, and what was so funny about this bill? it was actually, if you went back to the, you know, another section of the bill, it literally said that it can't be used to create a national registry. Mm -hmm. but the effect of the bill and application would create a national national registry. Well, one step down from that, it would be in all of these FFL dealers, and it's electronic now, so you could easily put it all together into a a national registry. So I voted against the bill. And people are like, John, I I thought you supported universal background checks. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I do, but I oppose national registries. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and so, or any registration uh, other than, you know, new, new firearm registrations. I have no problem with that because we, we need to track where they go from manufacturer.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, as you, but, as you, as you think about what you've done as a congressman over the last four years and as a sheriff, what, what has been your greatest challenge being a con being an executive as a sheriff, you bring a lot of real life experience into right. it. So what has been your greatest challenge in your role as a congressman? Yeah,
4: Look, I, I think the greatest challenge in, in any legislative process is really building that um, synergy and acceptance of your bill, of, of what you're trying to achieve. Uh, building those networks, uh, those, those relationships. You know, that's why I joined the bipartisan working group in, in Washington, D.C., uh, when I joined, there were about 20 of us. I think we're all up to almost 40 now. Uh, we we're very selective on who who gets in that group. We're we're, we're truly bipartisan. You're and we trying work to build on, cohesion. right? We're trying to build those relationships. And and another thing that I did up there, Doug, was and this is something that I learned from Tallahassee because you know a lot of people don't realize this, but for nine years that I for nine of the 12 years that I was sheriff. I was also legislative chairman for the Florida Sheriff's Association. Okay. And so I was in Tallahassee for nine years lobbying bills. I've been on the other side of the desk for a long time. And and so I understand how you can get things done, good things done for the American public through legislation, through good legislation. And and how, you know, I, I, I tell this story where, you know, a bill that I was trying to pass in Tallahassee failed because, you know, I was so so silly. I thought bills passed on their merit. (laughs) You know, no, they pass because you've got the relationships to get them done and get the votes for it and build, you know, the consensus for it. And so that's why when I went to Washington, uh, one of the things that I did was I decided every bill I file, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a primary sponsor from the other side of the aisle, who's gonna be a prime. Now you can get lots of co-sponsors, but primaries. Their name goes on the bill with yours, and and so, I I wanted primaries from across the aisle for two, well, really for two reasons. Uh, one reason is I, I want to build those relationships, and number two, while I'm working, it's you know it's a very egalitarian reason too. I'm I'm on my side of the aisle working, and I want him working it on his side of the aisle. We're we're getting double the work done on the bill, and and so. I've done that with every bill I file, and I've had some tremendous success. I've had eight bills pass out of the House uh, and go to the Senate. I've had three signed into law by President Trump since I've been up there. And, uh, you know, one dealt with the Stop School Violence Act of 2018, which was uh, a very timely bill Mm -hmm. as well. But then also uh, a couple bills to help our our veterans. Uh, One on the selection of our doctors. We were getting some of the worst doctors. Now we're getting some of the best. And then also uh, on educational opportunities for the dependents of veterans who are killed in action, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, or our military members who are killed in action uh, and extend their benefits outside of whatever state they live in.
3: Well, speaking of that, you know, I am a veteran and I am in the veterans' health care system. And I just went recently for my physical and i have to have you know a um, colonoscopy every three years mm-hmm. because i had polyps and so what right. triggers the thing that you got to do it well when i went in they told me because of covid uh they would do it in 2021 <clears> even though i was <throat> supposed to have it in august or september and i'm like well can i go out in town because don't we have choice and i go no you can't it's all covid and and, and one of the things that I'm finding, and I'm wondering if you're getting any feedback as a congressman, mm-hmm. is people are using COVID as an example for a lot of stuff now to just say no
0: right. to things. Do you, right.
3: Are
4: you seeing that or Look, getting any it, feedback on that? Yes, and, and listen, I, I will tell you, I, I think that's where we make a big mistake. Uh, the, first of all, the, they call that uh, procedure elective. Yeah, That's not an elective. I, I have to get that done. Otherwise, I, I may wind up with cancer. When they have people with cancer, whose whose treatments are being put off, all this stuff is that's, happening. Because that's ridiculous. Of COVID. I know that is ridiculous, and and that's why look, that's why we have to cover pre existing conditions in our health care. We have to lower the cost. We have to lower the premiums. We have to lower the uh, deductibles, and you know we need to put. The control back in the hands of the doctors and the patient, not not the uh, insurance companies. Yeah,
3: not yeah, not yeah, because they're not really. That's why I
4: support the First Step Act too. By the way,
3: well, and how, where the First <coughs> Step Act? Where is that at in process right now?
4: Uh, I, I think it. I don't know. Did we pass? I don't think we've passed that. No, yet. I it's, think still it's, still, it's still in process. It... Still, still, still in the house. Yeah. But uh, what what it would do? it would you know a lot of a a lot of insurance companies and uh and others require you to go through certain steps to get to uh the drug that you may need if the doctor says you need Mm -hmm. this allows you to go right to it uh without their input
3: Well, hey, our time is up. Thank you for coming in and being our guest today. Thank you, Doug. I Um, appreciate it. uh, If you've been listening to this and you want to share this, you can go to SWATradio.com. Just copy that link and send it via email to somebody, or you can just tell them to go to the SWATradio.com website and click on this program. It should be posted by tonight. Uh, Continue to remember Congressman Rutherford and all of our leaders. It's not only um, something that we suggest, it is commanded in Scripture. Pray for our president, Mm -hmm. pray for our congressman. pray for our city leaders. Uh, Congressman, thank you for joining us today.
4: Thank you, Doug, and God bless.
3: Yeah, and uh, we will be back tomorrow to talk more about what it means to be crucified uh, from Chan's book. Thank you for listening Mm -hmm. to SWAT Radio.